Okay, maybe well, third time's a charm. Yeah, maybe third time is. We, we've is only the needed to start recording this episode thrice. Yeah, well, look, it's we're cursed. We did something. Thrice cursed by Maleficent. Probably or somebody. like a lower tier. Yeah, <laughs> a, a lower tier sorcerer than Maleficent. Disney is not sending Maleficent to curse us. <laughs> All right, well, that makes our life. See, the curse is lifted. Curse is lifted. The curse is lifted. <laughs> At last I see the light. You want to tell, you want to tell our, our loyal listeners what we're talking about this week? Oh, first I want to say, hey, welcome to uh, Movie Surfing, a Disney Channel unoriginal podcast uh, where Delaney and I attempt to reconstruct decoms from memories. Sort of. And notes. We do <laughs> yeah. have notes. And lots and lots of notes. I know that I'm introducing the show, but it would be a weird call if this was the first episode you're listening to, because this week we watched 2019's Descendants 3. So you're jumping in with us, ostensibly, to use Delaney's favorite word. <laughs> I'm trying to stop using it. I don't know if I you know. noticed in the last I episode. I have a I was blooper. Like, oh. Now I'm going to try to use ostensibly because you're not <laughs> using it anymore. Okay, that's fine. I just don't want them to get sick of me saying it, but they can get sick yeah, of you saying it. Yeah, ostensibly you're joining in with us at the third Descendants, uh, which honestly maybe because you haven't watched this one, which I suppose I wouldn't blame you. Although this was a production. I mean, this wasn't no slouch of a third movie in a in a franchise. Yeah, I would say that like one thing about the Descendants franchise is the quality of all three movies is pretty consistent. It's about equal across all three in terms of like, quality of the special effects and quality of the music and stuff though i do feel like there was kind of less music in this one than in the the last two well there was plenty of music in my opinion on the music is there's plenty of music in it but not a like not, not a lot of good music not a yeah, lot of nothing like, memorable right me. but it is a musical it's directed by kenny ortega uh, of Which high school I couldn't musical. believe that he was still here. I thought for yeah, sure dude, they would have gotten a new director. Yeah, ride or die with the Descendants franchise these days, I guess. I mean, 2019 is only three years ago. This is a very new one relative to, I mean, the movies you and I usually talk about as old people decom fans. Right. Kenny, you would expect that Kenny Ortega's energy with this series would have been like, I'm going to come in and like set the course, direct the first one, and then I'm going to pass. Hand it off, yeah. baby. No, he was like, I'm gonna I'm gonna keep doing the Kenny Ortega thing and does he ever we get some and like classic Kenny Ortega stuff in this movie yes but uh for the uninitiated let's turn to our time-honored tradition of reading the Disney plus description of the film Descendants 3 when a barrier breach jeopardizes the safety of Auradon, Mal resolves to permanently close the barrier however a mysterious dark force continues to threaten the people of Auradon. So <laughs> it's a little bit of a stretch, the, but it's a, well, my thing is like, there's two movies going on here. A barrier breach jeopardizes the safety of Ardon. However, there's a dark force right, that continues yeah. to threaten Ardon. Two threats, both alike in dignity. And as we get into this movie, we will discover quite a lot of threats and plot threads and things happening. So buckle up, my friends. Yeah. Buckle I, I sh up, we should add that this movie was very, very heavily requested. And that is why we're doing it. We told you that we'd do yes. it eventually. We're doing it. 
Thank you for suggesting it to us. It was just a matter of time. Also, if for any reason, because this movie, I guess, only came out three years ago and you're concerned about spoilers, this is just turn around because we're going to be talking a <laughs> lot about everything that now. happens in the movie. <laughs> uh, okay, great. So the movie kicks off as... I suppose a good decom threequel must with some recapping. Yes. Like veiled it, recapping. It's exactly the same way that Twitch's two starts. Yes. Where you're getting... It is liter it's nearly identical to the opening of Twitch's two. Yeah, you're getting the voiceover that's giving us the plot of the previous movie and also some like aerial shots of Oridon. It's like, this is Oridon. I'm gonna be queen here, but I wasn't always because I used to be bad on the bad island. Okay, we caught up. There's also yeah. a lot of Disney animation lore that does that is not compatible with this film. So moving on, here we are. We open with this big musical number where we learn that the original villain kids, also known as VKs, has that been established in the prior? Yo, movies? I have it in my notes too. Is this new or not? They may have said that in Descendants too, but they were I very. I don't remember like there being a a universally accepted we're the VKs moment. The opening of this movie, like the first ten minutes, is like. Like, VKs, VKs, it's villain kids. They, they're they VKs, and it's all VKs. VK, we always said this. Yeah, so, okay, I guess I believe you. VKs, fine. So the original it's VK four, day. The original four VKs are returning to the Isle of the... What's it called? Lost. The Isle of the Lost. Are returning to the Isle of the Lost because, for some reason, I guess... They get to select the next four VKs that get brought over from the island to Oridon? Yeah, so it's VK Day, which means, like the Hunger Games, I guess, yeah. the original Descendants cast is going to select which of the poor, impoverished children of villains will get to check out the very cool prep school at Oridon. Here's my question. Do we have any sense for how much time has passed between movie two and movie three? It truly feels like it was two days ago. This is the thing is in movie two, they're very clearly still kids. And then when we hit this movie, it's kind of like they're all adults now. And I'm trying to figure out like how much time has elapsed. Oh, you think that there's meant to be like a potentially multi-year chronological yeah, gap I, I, between it's... Descendants 2 and 3? Well, I hope so, right? Because all of a sudden these kids are important. They have like power. In the last movie, they were still just sort of like the VKs who came over and caused trouble and were still like waffling on whether or not they wanted to be good or bad and now like the entire kingdom trusts them and is giving them the authority to like choose new vks i just like it seems like we're supposed to accept that they're adults and more well, on that later i mean too. i don't know accepting mal as the princess was the whole point of descendants too so like which is a whole other thing like she she too is given well whatever we'll get there but she's given all this authority because she's just dating the king she's not <laughs> married to him she's a teenager like her boyfriend became the king when he was 16 for some reason and now everybody well, she like, became treating his her girlfriend like after he became the king yeah i don't get it i don't get why people are like treating her like she's part of the royal family already but whatever wow, it sounds more like on you that. might be a villain of this film maybe yeah maybe this is my villain origin story anyway yeah yeah, we get this oh, song. Oh, and as they're dancing around on the Isle of the Lost, there are streets and like buildings and things named after the four VKs. The like yeah, there's VKs. a lyric where Jay's like, "Yeah, they started naming streets after us here because they love us." 
And that also really wasn't the convention, right? Like before they were kind of treated like they were traitors for defecting to the good side. Yeah, the Isle of the Lost has changed quite a lot because it's always been introduced as like this very dangerous place where like there was a whole song in the last one about like how you just can't go there unless you're willing to not interact with anyone and keep your cool and stuff. Yeah, like Um, we were supposed to believe... That we're giving you guys all of this analysis and we have barely started with the actual plot of this movie. But You asked us to watch the third film in a series. Now it's just time for nothing but like theory and conjecture about these films. I'm sorry that this can't be over B-roll of us <laughs> watching the other Descendants movies. Yeah, you just need to like play. Okay, whatever. Anyway. <laughs> In the previous movies, it sort of seemed like the Isle of the Lost is for villains and they're mad that they're kept separate from Oridon, but only because they want to be wreaking havoc over there and they can't and like they don't have their powers or whatever on the island. Now, though, the vibe is like, oh, it's this terrible place and everybody wants to get out. Everybody wants like yeah, a better life. Wait. But that's never really been the vibe at all. It's always been like, you know, we're rotten to the core, right? We like it here. We're evil and we like our evil island. Well, so, but the song that they sing at the beginning of the movie is called Good to be Bad, I think. Or at least that's what they say a lot. So. Yeah, that is what it's called. Good to be bad. Now the vibe is like, no, we realize that we can offer something. Like, Ardon, it's really weird, though. Like, Ardon is conscripting people to come and, like, I don't understand. (laughs) I don't understand the mechanics of what's going on here. I have noted already, like, already this movie is taking itself way too seriously for me. (laughs) And it just continues in that vein. I like the very contemporary hip-hop. Well, they're just rapping the whole time, and there's, like, a demon voice happening in the background that's sort of like, you know, in in Hamilton when it's, like, the Reynolds pamphlet. I swear to God, Kenny Ortega watched Hamilton (laughs) and was like, Descendants 3, but make it Hamilton. Right. So they're rapping about, like, the responsibility of selecting the new VKs. I still don't understand why these literal children or, or whom we last saw to be children are making this big decision that the king made in the first movie. Right. Whatever. Now they're announcing who's getting picked. Surprise, surprise. Number one <laughs> is Dizzy. Ultra is, nepotism. Yeah. Dizzy is Drizella's daughter. Drizella, daughter of the evil stepmother from yes, Cinderella. This is the thing, too, is they have to give you like all of her lineage for you to get it. They're like, Dizzy, daughter of Drizella, daughter of Lady Tremaine. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it's the evil stepmother's granddaughter. Dizzy. We met her in the last movie because she's friends with Evie. She wants to be a designer and she does hair and stuff. Evie picks her because they're they're buds. Not, this is why friends. it's not fair for these kids to be making this decision. Um, well, their other pick is a package deal. The twin, like, four-year-old sons of Smee. I gotta say, I liked Smee. I thought he was cute. I thought it was great. Yeah, I thought the costume was great, and I thought that the two kids were extremely cute. I was very confused as to why they were like, yes, let's send them off to this foreign land, these children. This is true. I'm not understanding why they have those kids in those weird wigs that they're wearing. <laughs> Because they're Smee's kids. I don't know. Smee doesn't have like some like thick blonde 
Bob. Yeah, to, to, to clarify, because this is an audio medium, the wigs <laughs> we're referring to are like Lucius Malfoy platinum blonde locks. Yeah, I'm I'm not getting it, but okay, fine. And then the last one is a girl named Celia, who I'm not going to lie, I initially assumed was the Mad Hatter's daughter. <laughs> Dude. Because like we're introduced to her like sitting at a table with some cards and she's wearing yeah, like dude. a top Oh hat. my god. Oh my god. Princess and the Frog, dude. I it's... know, but I didn't so she's actually Dr. Facilier's daughter, which yeah, I'm and sorry, who were introduced to sitting like... at a table reading cards. I don't know. I feel maybe this is just me. I don't really feel like Dr. Facilier is established enough in the like villain canon to where you would automatically assume that like his kid is going to be involved in these movies. Sure. No, I I, I don't think I would have if they said, okay, which villain's kid is next? I don't think I would have picked Facilier, but I liked it and I immediately knew who it was. But I'm a really hardcore Princess and the Frog stand, which I'm sure will get me in trouble with someone. I don't not like it, but I have some notes. Pro- I understand the problematic nature of, I guess, the... I like the music in that movie a lot. <laughs> We're just going to, like, frog hop over the potential racial insensitivity and just talk about how much I like Almost There, the song. Yes. Um, <laughs> Which they do have in the credits of this movie. Or not not Almost There, the other one. They yes. Have, they have a Princess a little the- deeper. Yeah. I have written down, like, I guess now all the villains on this island are kind and charming because there's none of the grit of the previous two movies. Everybody's just like, yay, you get to go to Oridon. The Isle of the Lost is so much less angry. Like, everybody <laughs> is politely clapping for each other and, like, patting each other on the back. But we, we from the beginning of this series, there was a hard line, like, literally, that's the whole point, right? The people on this island are evil and they like it. Yeah. And now I'm just supposed to be okay with the fact that they're all like happy and trying to give their children a better life on Fairy Tale Island. <laughs> yeah, like right. they're I'm... trying to put their kids on boats to Aradon. Like Smee doesn't get to go, just Squeaky and Squirmy, his kids. Whatever. So now we cut to some political appearance where Mal and Ben are going to welcome the new VKs. Ben starts serenading Mal, and then that turns into him proposing to her. And this again is where I'm like, how old are they supposed to be right well sorry i was lost in the notes because i was still at the point where before they go out they're looking out over the ocean and they say not a tentacle in sight right i mean so now they're they're looking for uma because i guess she never went back behind the barrier and she's uma is ursula's daughter who turned into a big scary octopus in the last one and fought against mal yeah if you're new here if you're new to the Descendants <laughs> franchise, uh, whatever, they haven't seen her, everything's fine, but Mal's afraid that she's going to creep up and wreak havoc at some point. Now they're getting married out in the crowd. Screw Uma. The person they really need to be worried about is <laughs> Audrey, Aurora's daughter, because she is pitching a little bitch fit because Ben used to be her boyfriend, and she's like, I should have won over the king. And now he's proposing to this VK. When she says it, it sounds slurry. Like, <laughs> Yeah, she's very upset. Also, during this uh, like weird assembly that they're at out in front of the... Yeah, you're right. This is out in front of the school. This doesn't have anything to do with the Isle of the Lost. They're just like, there. We also see Evie. Evie's with Chad. What is her boyfriend's name? Doug. Doug. Evie's with Doug. And Doug is Dopey, the dwarf's son, but he now has, like... 
long hair. He also has beautiful flowing locks now. Yes. So that took me aback for a moment, but he's still here. He's her boyfriend. Everybody needs a boyfriend in this one because it's the third one. Um, <laughs> We'll get there. So Audrey's pissed. And, and not actually, just Audrey. Audrey's grandma, yeah. Aurora's mom, is also Grammy. putting Jenga on this because she's like... <laughs> chewing her out for having lost Ben. She's like, you know, you were supposed to be queen. Now our family is going to go to ruin. She's like, your mom never would have had this kind of issue. Yeah, uh, I'm sorry. Your mom was asleep. And you can't even keep this 16-year-old baby king whose dad used to be an animal? What are you even doing? So, obviously, Aurora's having a hard time. Um, At this point... No, Audrey's having a hard time. Yeah. At this point, I'm I'm still calling Audrey Cinderella's daughter because I had forgotten and I was confused. This is this is the the struggle with these movies is just trying to keep the lineage straight all the time. <laughs> yeah, because none of it has any grounding and any logic with regard to the relationships internally. A lot of these people, you know, who one of their parents is, but you don't know anything about the other parent. Like Carlos is Cruella's son. Who's his dad? <laughs> well, it could be anybody. Probably friggin' Facilier at this point. Like. See, I would believe it in a universe where, like, the Isle of the Lost is still, like, gritty and whatever, but now it's, like, sunshine and rainbows and, like, there's no wedlock, right? Like, there's no <laughs> there, there's no illegitimate children in this universe. Yeah, but we'll get there because we have some weird parentage in this movie. Oh, yeah. Um, this is a very strange event, okay? Because here's how this went down. The... Four original descendants go to the Isle of the Lost. They announce at the Isle of the Lost which VKs are going to move to Oridon. Then Mal goes back to Oridon, has this weird promotional appearance where they're like, we have selected our four VKs. And then she gets proposed to, and then they're like, okay, now we're going to hop back in the limo and go back to the Isle of the Lost and get the four VKs. Why wouldn't you just bring them over the bridge and like introduce them to the crowd? Why does it need to be like four different events? (laughs) Well, they have to pack and say goodbye to their family who they'll never get to see again. And who, they're, I'm sorry, whatever happened to the convention where, like, the villain's kids are unloved by their villain parents? Right, well, that was the whole first movie was like, wow, our villain parents suck, but now it's like, we have to break up all these happy villain families to send people to Aradon. I don't get it. But don't worry, it's fine. Mal has her own purple limo. Ah! And she's going to go flex her wealth. They drive their limo over the magic bridge to the Isle of the Lost, and they turn off the garage door barrier. And then we, like, get to chit-chatting with the new VKs in the limo on the drive back to Oridon. This is where we learn that Dizzy is going to be living at Evie's castle. Why does Evie have her own castle? Evie's, like, 17. Well, remember, Evie has, like, a thriving dress Evie's like a business person. That's her whole deal. Is she supposed to be the entrepreneurial one, I guess? She makes a crack about how, like, oh, it's just a starter castle. And I'm like, you're supposed to be in high school. (laughs) And now things get really weird. If it wasn't weird already. (laughs) Have you guys been tracking with any of the stuff that we've said? Because I don't know how you possibly could. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Just wait. (laughs) Because in order to exit, as they're shutting the barrier to leave, a man with blue hair and a leather jacket punches a hole into the barrier and zaps some of the VKs 
and no. yells, I'm a, a god. Yeah. So he, as the barrier's closing, he like sticks his hand out so it can't close fully. And he manages to like push through the barrier. And the kids are all like in the limo, just kind of casually watching this happen until Mal is like, oh no, let me deal with this. And she climbs out of the limo and she turns into a dragon. Right. Like, do they not have security for this? Do they not bring anybody to help with the whole barrier opening and closing of they the island? They have Mal who can turn into a dragon. Jay yeah. says, come on, Mal, blast him. Yeah, and that's okay. what she does. She, like, uses her magic dragon fire breath to, like, push this guy back and he's like i used to be a god because he's hades from hercules it's hades from hercules there's no one else from hercules in this movie don't worry about it they've got a backstory for him so she manages to push him back through the barrier we get a hilarious stunt moment where she like knocks him down and he does like three backward somersaults (laughs) um just to really like drive home the he was like i'm gonna do my own stunts everybody Watch out. This man's name is Cheyenne Jackson. He's a Broadway star. He was in um, the original production of Xanadu, the roller oh skate God. musical on Broadway. How they got him to do this movie, beyond me. Don't know. Yo, he kills it in this movie. <laughs> but now Mal turns back into a human and she's all like huffing and puffing. And Ben's like, what's the matter? And she's like, he was able to drain some of my powers with his ember. And I'm like, what's that? <laughs> fuck are you talking about this is this is a but thing this is all very important and it's important that we know what she means but we don't know what she's talking about <laughs> i didn't even notice him holding anything but apparently he has a thing called an ember it drained her powers it's very strong she's troubled whatever time to get in the limo and go i guess tell somebody about this or just go home i mean the barriers back up there's so much stuff that they're just introducing (laughs) to us for the first time in the third movie it's like hey you know hades forget everything you know about hades he's got an ember and it drains magic cool okay and he's cheyenne jackson we cut to audrey who is like in her bedroom looking at pictures of her and Ben together as infants? Sure. She's boohooing about how Ben got engaged, and what are we going to get from her now? A song. We're going to get a song. But not just any song. A rap? Yep. She's rapping, and I've written down, like, this just screams to me that when they cast her in the first movie, they had no intention of having her sing. And then by the third movie, they were like, actually, she might have to sing. Oh, shit, she doesn't sing that well. Here's what we'll do instead. Rap. And then Kenny Ortega was like, I just, there's this thing, I don't know if you've heard of it, called Hamilton. (laughs) I think if we just try to do a Hamilton thing. People will really respond well to that, don't you think, It'll work out. Hamilton so, on Disney yeah, Plus. Yeah, right. It's it's just synergy. This is just Disney Plus synergy. <laughs> um, yeah, they're bending over backwards with the lyrics in this movie. Um, I didn't write any of them down, but if you listen to any of these songs, they're like monologue. They're just like This is her weird transformational I want song moment. It starts with her in her room rapping about how she lost her man, and it ends with her very easily breaking into the local museum, which I'll remind you guys, the four VKs broke into the museum in the first movie, and it was like a significant chunk of the plot. <laughs> This, like, plan to break into the museum and steal stuff. Audrey just basically does it in her sleep. 
shows up at the museum, breaks a bunch of shit, steals the queen's tiara, and steals Maleficent's scepter. We get a full, like, evil outfit change, so now she sort of looks like a villain, and... I mean, here's the plot, right? Like, Well, here's one of the plots, because Hades also does still have his ember, and that's a other thing. Yeah, Don't worry about it. Yeah, here's the A plot. Let's go. Yeah, she puts on the crown and takes the staff and becomes a sorceress of some kind. You know, she's going to be bad enough because Ben want, didn't... She wants to be the queen of mean, is what the song is. So Great. that's what she's going to do. Here's a tip. If you have to call yourself the queen of mean, you're probably not that mean. Well, and you're just probably wait, also not a queen of anything. You're probably not going to scare me. Uh, anyhow. <laughs> Nothing scares Delaney, though. Okay, so the next day, uh, Beast Dad King is saying that they, they should probably just close the barrier forever and <laughs> stop sorry, opening it. Beast Dad Former King Adam. Sorry, and I'll put some respect on his name, Adam. Uh, former <laughs> Retired King, also former Beast Adam. <laughs> he's a multi-hyphenate artist yeah now he's working he's really working on him sometimes he's wearing glasses and you can tell he's like writing a book <laughs> yeah he's really thriving <laughs> in his twilight <laughs> anyway years. he he's advising i guess king ben that they should probably just stop going to the isle of the lost he makes the very astute point that like i don't know man every time we've ever opened the barrier bad <laughs> shit's happened over here so maybe we just stop doing that Ben is not pleased with that because his whole thing is that he wants to give the VKs a chance. That's why he gave Mal a chance in the first place. It's very, like, <laughs> white savior. condescending. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but so, anyway, Mal is like, this is the hard choice we have to make. She and Ben have, like, a Macbeth-style feelings meeting. Well, because what happens, too, is sort of in the middle of this general conversation about the barrier, they get a phone call, or Mal gets, like, a text message. Did I make that up? I don't have this written down, but it could have happened. I don't remember, but somehow they're notified about this theft at the museum. And the assumption is... Oh, yeah, I think, is... like, a guard comes in or Ben gets a... So somebody tells them about the theft at the museum, and they all sort of assume that it must have been Uma, which just serves as more reason to discuss what they're going to do about the barrier. So Mal and Ben go off to have their little feelings meeting about it. I've, I've also written, we fluctuate between bad Hamilton and bad Downton Abbey. <laughs> yeah. In the this weird, like, very tense political discussion about a refugee crisis or something. Right. That's a essentially what it is, too. Um, <laughs> but in the end, Mal, for some reason, Belle asks Mal what she thinks she should do. I'm like, you're Belle. You're the smartest person in the room by far. Why are you asking this 17-year-old girl for advice, political advice, whatever. She asks Mal what they should do, and Mal's like, I think we just need to close the barrier forever. I don't want to do it, but I think that's what we have to do to protect the people of Oridon because they're our priority. So Mal is the one really making this decision, even against Ben's kind of desires. He would rather not, but we cut to her going to talk to Evie about this decision that she's made. Yeah, she's going to talk to Evie and maybe also about the... Hades thing and the theft at the museum. Evie does in There's fact have a castle. There's a lot going on, as we've established. Yeah. Evie does in fact have a castle where she's making clothes or whatever, so she seems to be doing pretty well for herself at the age of 18. She does not like the idea of closing the barrier forever. No, of course not. Of course not. And but she's <laughs> like, thank 
God, the VKs have you to advocate for them, Mal. I love you, and I know that you're going to be the voice of reason. So, and Mal is like, oops. Yeah, great. That probably won't come back later. In a random turn of events, it's Jane's birthday party. Yeah, unless um, you've forgotten, Carlos and Jay are in this movie. <laughs> and yeah. Here they are, prepping for the birthday party. Evie is also there helping, and there's a cake. Uh, Celia and Dizzy steal some of the cake, and they have a little pointless scene about how... Well, it's not pointless. They have a little scene about how lucky they are to be in Aradon and eating cake. I'm not sure if we've already mentioned that, like, Jane and Carlos have a thing going on from the previous movie, so yeah, that's everybody, why... Yeah, everybody needs a boyfriend in Descendants 3. It, 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 like, it's treated in the script like it's a question, although I, I thought that the end of the first movie was, like, that was the question. Whatever, the Jane thing is, is, uh, is a sidebar. Carlos and Jane have a thing. They're getting her birthday cake together. Celia and Dizzy are there, and they're cute, I guess. Everybody's having a grand old time when Audrey pulls a full-on Maleficent and crashes the party. Yes. She shows up and monologues like uh-huh. Maleficent. Of course. Yep. She's she's doing the Maleficent. Like about how, how Mal stole her life and shit. Yep. And uh, she raises the scepter. And turns Mal into an old hag, like, or Snow the White. Evil like Queen Snow, from White. Snow White. We love to see it. It's honestly kind of hilarious. And yes. it gets funnier. So, <laughs> um, Audrey turns her into an old hag and, like, poofs away. Evie comes out and discovers old hag Mal and is like, holy <laughs> shit, what do we do? And Flashbacks. Mal is, I, I've got to hand it to her. Her, like, old hag portrayal is kind of hilarious it's very funny although i will say the the other descendants are bothered but not bothered enough to use a classic i know the state of being this is a like quintessential bothered but not bothered enough they're like oh what happened to you and mal's like is it really bad and evie's like no you aged beautifully yeah so i guess she's concerned that Audrey has Maleficent's scepter. They don't know what she's going to do with it. Evie is like, can you just like spell yourself out of this old hag thing? And Mal's like, no, there isn't a spell strong enough to counteract the scepter. The only thing that can counteract it would be Hades' ember. Yeah, coincidentally, Hades' ember is the only thing in the universe magically stronger than Maleficent's scepter. And I have gender theory that I would like to spout about that, but we'll get to it later. Yeah. Um, <laughs> But so they resolve to go back to the Isle of the Lost to track down Hades to get his ember. And I'm like, this, why do you just assume you're going to be able to flounce over there and take it? Again, Mal is a literal old hag. (laughs) Evie's having to like guide her up the steps into the castle. But don't worry, because old hag or not, Mal is still going to show up and show out. She gets in her full, like, biker attire, even as she's still an old hag, to ride their little (laughs) dirt bikes across the barrier. Their magical flying dirt bikes. Right. Dude the dog, who is a talking dog, does pop out as they're flying away on their bikes to say, you're gonna miss Jane's birthday, because we need a, like, D-plot. God forbid the birthday, whatever. What is with the Disney movies and the birthdays? Like, wasn't that the whole thing with Sleeping Beauty? Like, it was Aurora's birthday party that Maleficent crashed? Ah, now you're thinking. But we're going to keep that energy. We're going to go to Jane's party. She's having a cute little, like, outdoor It's also very decom to miss 
a friend's birthday right. party. Right, and have to explain And for some reason, that'd like, that be a world-ending event. Yeah. Um, we're at Jane's party, and Jane is talking to Doug, I want to say, about how Carlos isn't there, and he's no, like- No, Chad. She's talking oh. to Chad, who's another character who is from the previous movies. He's Prince Charming's son, and he's an idiot. Yeah, Chad Charming. They're like, maybe they just don't really do birthdays over there on the island, so he didn't know. Yeah. Whatever, they're willing to give him the benefit of the doubt, which is kind of refreshing in a decom. Yeah, Instead Jane, of just assuming I mean, that he, like, hates her. <laughs> Jane is exceptionally understanding. Like, Jane and Carlos are actually pretty sweet, I will say. The sweetness is short-lived because now Audrey shows up at the birthday party and, again, starts monologuing. Everyone is bothered but not bothered enough. And, yeah, don't you think that you'd be like, hey, Audrey, you're, like, a cheerleader. How about no you No one put says anything down? to her. She just pops up and starts talking. She's like, I'm here and I'm even. No one's like, wait, stop. Audrey? Audrey? <laughs> Yeah, like, are you okay? She starts monologuing, and then Chad Charming volunteers to be her boyfriend, and then he he corrects that to, like, evil sidekick. Yeah, he, he becomes her familiar, I guess. I, he, I said he channels me and simps. Oh, my God, <laughs> you're right. But I thought you were I thought you were going to give me much more this whole this is the weirdest element of this movie. Everything that's everything about this movie is weird. But this is the weirdest <laughs> element of this movie. And I guess it's kind of a carryover from I guess there's a little bit of this in the second one. But Chad is like like a literal dog. Yeah, I I don't know what his deal is, but here's a question, right? Audrey's thing is like I want to be a queen. Chad Charming is Prince Charming's son, and he's volunteering to be her boyfriend. Couldn't that just sort of solve her problem? Couldn't the movie I stop? I thought that the indication from the last one was that that was kind of how that had wrapped up. But no, <laughs> except he is, like, hopelessly devoted to her. I guess, like, it's a, it's he's a prince and she wants to be with a king. Maybe that's the problem. Maybe we're overanalyzing her motivations here. Because Probably, we went to but school. Chad is gonna help her out, and she's like, "Stand behind me, cool." Um, she sings "Happy Birthday" like Marilyn Monroe. Yeah, like Marilyn Monroe style "Happy Birthday," and it puts everybody to sleep. So she's Jigglypuff. <laughs> Yeah, everybody does just kind of pass out on the spot. There's like a bunch of like pink sleepy smoke floating around. Jane is- jumps. <laughs> she's like, "Oh she no." She notices all of this happening and she's like, "Oh no, not the sleepy smoke shit. Whatever shall I do?" And she jumps into the enchanted lake because I guess it protects you from enchantments. I, I guess Jane knows more about magic question well, mark. Well, her mom her is the fairy godmother. The fairy godmother yeah. question mark, but it's still I don't know why she gets more time to react than everybody else does because everybody else is literally immediately passing out and Jane's like, "Oh wait, I got to get to the enchanted lake." She dives under the water and it I guess the sleepy fog can't get her makes sense sure i'll buy it so she's safe and she's like i have to go tell the king is this a location from the previous movie too not to dwell on it too long but i think they used this same the, lake. like gazebo um was significant with mal and ben i don't remember if it was the second movie or the first movie she has that whole like when there was me and you solo moment at the gazebo do you know what i'm talking about yes i know exactly what you're talking about <laughs> Um, <laughs> that's that's how far we've come. <laughs> I, uh, I think, yeah, we can be like three decom references deep at this point and still know what we're talking about. 
Yeah, so Jane goes to tell Ben what happened. He asks if she knows where Mal is, and she doesn't. And so I guess he doesn't know that she's gone to the Isle of the Lost. Cut yeah, to- no one, no one knows that they were going, I guess. It was like a commando mission. It's probably a bad on. policy to like not give somebody yeah. a heads up. That, and also, like, isn't the like opening the barrier kind of a big deal? Like now, like yes, Mal can this just is a sort of high stakes security wants. threat to like the country. Like she just you don't gets just leave. to go over there now. Fine, sure. Whatever. Gets weirder go- again though, because they show up at the Isle of the Lost and Mal isn't an old hag anymore. Yeah, and they're like, remember, the whole point is the bad magic doesn't work here, so And I was sort of like, okay, well, why don't you just turn around and go home? Because you're not an old hag, so what do you need the ember for? Right. Weren't you just trying to, like, reverse the old hag spell? Well, now they're like, maybe if we get that ember, we can, I guess, stop the thing we don't actually know what's happening. Yeah, I don't now know. it's a much loftier huh. mission. And for some reason, they have to go see Dr. Facilier. Can you explain this to me? Because I don't know why they even stopped there. For shits and well, giggles. Well, because they had to show off this man who they cast as Dr. Facilier, who I actually think did a pretty good job. Sure. Okay. Wasting my time, though. <laughs> don't know why we're going there. We don't get anything out of it. Um, except for well, while the kids are visiting Dr. Facilier, a bunch of evil villain kids steal their dirt bikes. So it is yeah. still the evil island. Which one is it, Disney? Yeah, well, it's not any old evil kids. It's Uma's lackeys from Descendants 2. It's the pirate gang. Oh, The no. pirate gang. And Carlos does also turn on the news, coincidentally, to see uh, that Audrey has attacked. That's bad. That's all. Yep, that's bad. So maybe they should, in fact, turn around and go back. Now they know that it's Audrey and it's not an Uma thing. But also, we already knew. But it, was but it is an Uma thing because the Uma people did just steal their bikes. So that sucks. Right. But, like, you know, Mal saw Audrey with the scepter turning her into an old hag. So this isn't really. Oh, yeah, this news. isn't news. So I don't this isn't news. know why this is included at this point. <laughs> So, whatever. Let's continue. Now, Celia's done kikiing with her father, and she is going to take Mal to Hades' lair, which is like yeah, a mineshaft. Yeah, maybe she had to talk to her dad to find out, to get information about where Hades' lair no, is. No, because it seems like she's there a lot, because she, like, uh. knows exactly how to get there. She knows how to navigate the mineshaft, and she sort of, like, knows... She just knows stuff, so I don't know why she's there. That's weird, but okay. She's leading Mal. There's like a beware of dog sign, so they're bewaring of Cerberus, you know. They're going down to the underworld, which is like a fucking sewer mine. It's unclear. I they think that get it's on kind this... of a nice touch, the like the mine cart thing. Yeah, I was going to say they get on this like bike mine cart rickshaw thing. Yeah. I was like... I want this Disneyland ride. Right, yeah. Celia <laughs> is sort of leading the way. Mal is scared of encountering the three-headed dog, but it's funny because once they get down to like the lair proper, Hades is napping on the couch. We discover that there is no three-headed dog, but there is like a vinyl that plays the the barking sounds <laughs> of a three-headed dog just to spook people. Yeah, turns out That was a ruse, and now they're going to steal the ember. When they go to turn off, though, the dog barking sound, that's when Hades starts to interact with Celia. I don't know why they would turn it off. Why uh, wouldn't they just leave it? Very sneaky. We turned off your music. It's like when I'm at preschool and it's nap time and we're playing the like ocean sounds. I kid you not. The second that CD ends and the ocean sounds stop for a second, 
four heads pop up like, huh? The ocean? Who stopped the ocean? Every single time. You'll catch me sprinting across the classroom to hit play on the ocean sounds because I they, they will wake up. So they've so done this to Hades. The VKs are not the masters of stealth and trickery that they think they are. Yeah, they, they clearly haven't taught enough preschool. <laughs> yeah, right. Hades fully catches them and is like, what are you doing here? Blah, blah, blah. And we discover that Hades in this film is Mal's father. Yeah, bet you weren't expecting that. I sure as hell wasn't. I sure as hell wasn't. I've written Hades is gay. <laughs> Hades is initially talking to Celia, and then he, like, turns around and spots Mal, and he's like, hello, and she's like, hello, dad. Yep. And it's, like, record scratch, like, what? Yeah. What do you mean, scratch hello, that dog dad? Re- they should have scratched that. That's when she should have scratched the dog record. Right. They Come missed on. an opportunity. But I'm like, this is a major, major plot reveal, and they're handling it very casually. I know. <laughs> the characters are not bothered. I certainly am. But it turns into a, like, weird feelings confrontation about hating Maleficent yep. her mom. Just, like, sh- Mal is upset with Hades because he wasn't around when she was a kid. And he's like, you don't get it. I hate your mother. And then it turns into a musical number called Do What You Gotta Do. I honestly can't even tell you what this song is about. It's like Mal being like, give me the ember. And he's like, I hate your mom. And it goes on for a really long time. I've written it's a a Billy Ray Cyrus, Miley Cyrus duet. Right. I wish it had been. It's a very, like, annoying musical theater duet. It, It... it starts and ends in the same place, essentially. Yeah, it's like, I guess we have... It's, well, that's the problem with a lot of these songs. I mean, we don't have to get too into it, but it's like, yeah, you know that story beat we just explained in the script? Let's sing a song about that same story beat. Right, let's um, just, like, expound on the same thing for a full four-minute musical number. Surprise, these two don't get along. That's it. Okay. It can be it can be reduced to like I have a strained relationship with my estranged father, but I need to borrow his magical ember to save the kingdom that I love. <laughs> also, he's Hades from Hercules. And Don't pay attention he's, to that. <laughs> also, he's Hades from Hercules, played by Cheyenne Jackson. Um, <laughs> a Broadway fame. Okay. But in uh, the end, she's like, "So are you gonna give me the ember or not?" He gives it to her, but he's like, "You know, it's not gonna work properly for you because it will only do like I'm the only person who can fully use it." Okay. Okay, Dad. Fuck yeah, you. She doesn't even really listen to him. She's like, "I think it'll work for me. Fine, thanks." And then she leaves. Like, okay, I don't know what makes you think that you know better about this ember. Like, you you said yourself, you didn't even grow up with him in your life. How do you know shit like this? <laughs> We cut to Ben, who is in his kingly office in his biking jacket or something. I don't, I don't understand. He's wearing like a leather jacket. Yeah, he's wearing like a, almost like a Letterman jacket, but it's like yeah. I'm the king. Yeah, I couldn't tell if it was supposed to be. Did he just come from tourney practice? Like, did he? What's you know, going like when on? Joe Biden wears his bomber jacket. I think it's like that. Oh, no. <laughs> um, Audrey appears and demands that Ben make her the queen. She's like, it's easy. Here's what's up. Make me the queen and I'll turn it all off. And Ben's like, are you under a spell? What the hell? Yeah. And that pisses her off. He doesn't want to negotiate with her. She doesn't want to negotiate with him. She zaps him with the scepter. We hear like a, a, a generic, wow, 
animal sound. She says, well, she says sleep is too good for you and whacks him in the face. I was like, did she just murder Ben? Then she's like, sleep is too good for all of you. And she just sort of like vaguely zaps the scepter like at the window. And it (laughs) happens to hit the fairy godmother and she turns to stone. Yep. So arbitrarily, some of the people get turned to stone and some of them are still asleep. We don't know who gets which fate or why. It's just what it is. Ben might be dead. Moving on. Um, <laughs> ben is probably dead. Ben is dead. Uh, so this extra good barrier that everybody's <laughs> concerned about whether or not it's going to work. As uh, the villain kids are leaving the Isle of the Lost again, this time the children of Gaston and Captain Hook, who are Uma's lackeys, I think their names are Harry and something. What is I don't even know what it's, their names are. It's Harry are. and Gil. Harry and Gil, who is Gaston's son, they break out. They t- tumble out of the barrier as it's closing. And they're like, we're going to Auradon now, I guess. Why is it so easy for people to just slip out the barrier? Like, again, where's the security? Clearly, there's some gap here that, like, could be easily remedied. Maybe we wouldn't. Maybe we wouldn't need to have this conversation about closing the barrier forever if you had, like, two armed guards standing at the <laughs> end of the bridge. When they jump out... They cause Mal to just drop the ember. Yeah, they get into like a little bit of a tussle. She drops the ember. It like falls off of the bridge toward the water. Oh, this is important. Hades was like, hey, whatever you do, don't let that get wet or it won't work anymore. Immediately, she almost drops it off of the bridge into the ocean. (gasps) But don't worry. You know what reaches out and catches the ember before it hits the water? A tentacle. tentacle. What else? What (laughs) else? Welcome to movie surfing. The tentacle rises up out of the ocean, grabs the ember. It's Uma. She's like, Mwahahaha. and then she like ho- still holding the ember sinks back under the water, at which point I'm like, great, it's wet now. <laughs> it's over. The whole thing's ruined. It's wet. No, it's not. Because then she she transforms into a human and hops up on the bridge and the ember has not gotten wet somehow. How? Whatever, she has a seashell to put it in. Sure, okay, she put it in her little octopus pocket <laughs> and <laughs> protected it from the water while she was underwater, didn't get wet. Now Mal's like, give me that back. I need to use that to save Oridon. And Uma's being a bitch because that's what she does. She's like, how about no? <laughs> <laughs> I like Uma's costume in this movie I've written down. She looks great in this movie. She's got this awesome, like, I mean, it's a pirate outfit. Like, she's got a pirate vibe, but everybody's got, like, pantsuits in this movie. Yeah, I'm into it. But essentially, Uma's like, I know I basically already got this wet once, but what if I really got it wet unless you agreed to let all the VKs move to Oridon? And Mal's like, uh, big ask. And Evie's like, you can trust her, Uma. She loves the VKs. <laughs> She's one of us. And Mal's like, yeah, sure, okay. All the VKs, Oridon, cool. And Uma's like, perfect, but I'm going to keep this anyway because I don't believe you. <laughs> There's like a feelings meeting between the pirate gang and the VK gang. It's essentially like, okay, I know the VKs want to come live in Oridon, but there won't be an Oridon for them to move to unless you give me that ember and like we stop Audrey from ruining everything. And, and it's kind of good enough for them. The the two yeah, gangs it's like, agree. Fine begrudgingly to work together. They're going to go to Auradon, figure this out, and then all of the VKs get to move to Auradon. Great. Let's do it. Problem they, solved. As they're, like, getting to 
Aradon prep. They're like out on the front lawn and a bunch of people are asleep on the front lawn. Yeah, they find everybody sleeping and they're like, that's weird. But I would even say again, bothered but not bothered enough. The pirate gang are like super disinterested in all the sleeping people and they're more interested in like the food that they left on their tables when they passed out. And they're like, whoa, what's this? Yeah, we're introduced to the fact that they don't have fruit in the Isle of the Lost. So like they don't know what grapes are. He thinks a grape is a cantaloupe. Yeah, he's like, whoa, cantaloupe. He's really excited about it. I will say that this could be construed as sort of effective sociopolitical commentary (laughs) on the fact that, like, low-income neighborhoods often don't have access to, like, fresh produce. Yeah, well, they say we don't have fresh fruit. I mean, that's what they say. Food deserts are a real thing. So Disney is, like, you know, walking right up to the line but then not fully crossing it. Uh, uh, Carlos and Jay, meanwhile, are trying to be relevant. Uh, yeah, th- this is their second appearance in this film. Carlos's dog, Dude, makes an appearance. And he's still voiced by Bobby Moynihan. Catches everybody up on what's happened. Because they did see the news broadcast, but they didn't see the people get put to sleep. They haven't put two and two together. It's okay. He's going to take them. He's going to track down Ben. Right. Why? Why do they need Ben? We don't know. Oh, okay. Just because he's the king, I guess, like, it's important for him to be on board with the plan. Well, or is he doing something else? I don't even know. What does dude, the, are they just, what is their plan? They've just got the ember, right? I think they want to find Audrey. And Uma wants to search the school for Audrey, but Mal is like, well, the first place she would go is to the castle, which is true. That is what Audrey did, but Audrey is long gone. But they don't know that. But no. Uma and Mal sort of bicker about where they should go which sets us up for a lot of like um you know these two sort of compete for control of the group for the entire movie Um, yeah like now we've got another conflict plot in this movie which is mal and uma can they work together which one's the boss can they put aside their differences land versus sea air versus sea (laughs) i guess fire versus water somehow mal wins the argument so they head to the castle Audrey is able to watch all of this going down, like, in the scepter. She's like, Chad, darling, get ready for a fight. (laughs) Yeah, she's, like, petting him like a dog again. (laughs) They're just out in the woods being evil, I guess. I mean, Chad is just kind of there for the ride. I don't know. Chad's like, can I do something for you? Is there anything I can do to help? Uh, Just like, shut up. (laughs) Just like, leave me alone. Uh, (laughs) But they're going to... Whatever, fight the the gangs somehow. We don't know. Now we're at the palace. The VKs can't find Ben, but you know what they do find are some, like, claw marks on the walls. That probably won't come back either. And the kids eventually find a room full of suits of armor. And from a distance, Audrey is able to spell these to life. And now they're going to have a dance battle. It's going to be, well, it's sort of unclear if it's meant to be a dance battle or a real battle because they do all take out swords. It's a like little bit of fight. both. Yeah. Um, but this number goes on for a really long time. Mm-hmm. And there's a lyric that killed me where they're like, they outnumber us one to 50. And I'm like, that's just <laughs> obviously not true. I'm looking at this I'm watching and it can't it possibly be. There aren't 50 of them here. You guys are almost evenly matched. There are so many of you in this movie. There are so many main characters in this movie. There You've are... got two whole gangs here. Like, <laughs> man, this this number is called Nightfalls. 
And for some reason, they didn't spell it K-N-I-G-H-T. It's just night, like nighttime. Wait, Nightfall. what? Yeah. According to Wikipedia, title doesn't even anyway. make sense because this whole song is like, we've got each other's back. We have to work together. And it's hard for us to do that because we are not friends. Dance break. <laughs> yeah. Actually, this so this is where we get the Kenny Ortega, right? We get a full yes. get your head in the game dance break moment with these well, nights. It's and it's pretty like the end of this song actually like you should watch it on YouTube if you have it or not YouTube you should watch it on Disney Plus fully legally. Um, <laughs> if you if the dance break of this is extremely wild. There is like a pyramid formation of these knights and then Mal casts a spell or something that makes them dance when she dances and so now every now all the the vks are like dancing to make the knights dance like it's so weird it's a lot this you may have seen a clip from this number on tiktok because this was going around for a while where mal is like bust a move and then just starts like really uncomfortably dancing with a sword yeah. um yeah. i had seen that a lot on tiktok that's just the energy of this entire song. But somehow by the end of the song, they have dance battled so hard that the knights have all been defeated and Audrey is like somewhere off in the ether screaming. Yeah, I, I <laughs> yeah, we get a little insert shot of her going ah! at the center. Yeah, and they've shot like all this Audrey stuff in like a fisheye lens, <laughs> which I thought was hilarious. Yes. Um... um Mal and Uma, like, at the end of this battle, almost high-five, but then they don't. But Evie's trying to encourage the gangs to get along. She's like, why don't we do, why don't we do an icebreaker where we, like, have to compliment each other? Like, shut up, Evie. They're like, no, and then they don't. Uma's like, anyway, where can we find this Audrey bitch? And Mal's like, well, she's in summer school, so she's probably at the dorms. Because she's like, she's in the dorms, and somebody... <laughs> okay. You can tell that the writers were like, we need to explain why Audrey... Audrey still lives in the dorms, but Evie has her own castle. <laughs> so the, the way this scene plays is actually like this. Where can we find this Audrey bitch? She still lives in the dorms. Oh, that's right. She's in summer school, so she's still living in the dorms. <laughs> and one of the VKs is like, summer school? How weird. Yeah, or ew, the, the pirate school. guys. Yeah, you guys really want me to believe that <laughs> these kids all just graduated from their magical high school and Mal is like 18 and getting married and like, that's fine? That's supposed to be fine with me? It's not fine with me. Anyway, cut to Audrey's room. They very easily break in, I guess because Mal just has like authority to go and do whatever she pleases. Yes, Uma is lounging on the bed in her boots, which bothered me so much. <laughs> Yeah, don't wear your shoes in my bed. Don't even wear your outside clothes in my bed. Right, like, yeah, but anyway. That's how you get bed bugs, my friends. Yeah. Take it from me. They're, they read, very true to form as villains, they read her diary, mm -hmm. uh, and Uma's like, wow, Mal, you really screwed up this girl's life, which I don't think is necessarily a fair assessment of the situation, but... <laughs> Listen, I guess it depends who you ask. What we learn from the journals is when she's not at the dorms, Audrey likes to hang out at the fairy's cottage in the woods, um, as seen in the original animated Sleeping Beauty. 
Yes, the the place where flora, fauna, they they actually give us the the again. Yeah. This is one of those moments where it's like, okay, now they want the lore because they're like, yeah, you know, the secret cottage where flora, fauna, and Merryweather hid my mother from Maleficent. Yes, and we're gonna we're gonna shuffle on over there. Um, I don't know if there's some discussion of like they're gonna go straight there or whatever. They end up going to Evie's house first, yeah, but along this whole- the way. Yeah, th- I just want to interject that this entire mission to Aradon has been so badly done. They're just wandering randomly around. It's strange, yeah. But uh, along the way, they're walking through the woods, and the boys are all, like, eating berries and complimenting each other. And I'm well, so- sorry, but, like, there's some weird, like, sexual tension between all right, Jay and let me and tell Gil. you the only notes that I have for this scene. So, to clarify, Carlos J. Harry Hook and Gil Gaston's son are going off with Dude the Dog to find Ben because Ben is out. They can't find Ben and Dude is going to track him down. So the four of them go off together. Here are the only notes that I have for the ensuing scene. All of this is in caps. Gay grape bonding between (laughs) Jay and Gaston's son? Grabbing lunch off a bush? I'm glad it wasn't just me who was like, why does this feel so gay? Like <laughs> I'm I don't have an issue with it. Well, I do. <laughs> but, but not for the reason you think. I just Well, I have an issue with it because it's not fully explored. Like <laughs> No. Well, it's just like There's really like palpable sexual tension between these two and they keep complimenting each other and like feeding each other berries and stuff off of the bushes and like, ugh, what's happening? Like Jay is the only one who doesn't have a girlfriend. I know. I said Descendants 3, everyone needs a boyfriend. So I was kind of ready for it. Um, I got, I was let down (laughs) by the end of this film that that was not how this shakes out. No. But I had some hope for a minute there that we were going to get a, a Jafar's son, Gaston's son romance thing. But alas, we do still have other shit to do in this movie. Meanwhile, the we girls... We actually have too many villains. We have so many villains. Meanwhile, the girls have gone back to Evie's castle, I think, to check on like the the younger VKs. And unfortunately, Dizzy and the Smee twins are have all been spelled they're all asleep i hope you didn't hope they would be relevant or do anything because yeah they're just gonna sleep the whole movie um and celia like leans down and is like whispering to the kids like don't worry friends once we wake you up mal's going to let all the vks live in oradon forever twisting the knife for mal right again yeah i've written again this probably won't be important later no (laughs) elsewhere in the house they find evie's boyfriend doug also asleep. Uma's like, well, if that's your boyfriend, why don't you just kiss him and wake him up? And I'm like, wow. Imagine if there was like an easy test like this to find out if the person you're with is actually your true love. Yeah, I mean, uh, the logistics of getting somebody to put the requisite magic spell on on your partner. Right, but like if, <laughs> if that was more easily accessible. <laughs> um, uh, I think it would save a lot of people a lot of time and trouble. They say you I have agree. to kiss a lot of frogs, right? I don't understand... So that this didn't need to be a song also. Basically all of Ugh. these songs didn't need to be songs. Yeah. 
this this should have been simple, right? This should have just been like, well, go kiss your boyfriend and wake him up. And Evie's like, I can't. You don't understand. I need you guys to go. I need some privacy. Please leave us alone. She sings a whole song about how it's there's all this pressure, you know, like what happens if I kiss him and he doesn't wake up again? I say these are all 18 year old kids, right? Yeah, but. The thing that drove me crazy about this song is they can't just, in this movie, they can't just let somebody sing a song, like stand there and sing the song. Like everything has full out choreography the entire time. (laughs) So she's singing this like ballad, but she's doing full choreo. But whatever, yeah, she the, wastes it, as much time as possible. She's like walking <laughs> in and out of the house. She's going outside. She's singing. She's rolling around on table. She's dancing before she finally kisses him. And this is kind of funny. Like he initially pretends to keep sleeping and then he wakes mm-hmm. up like, ha ha. Which, so he was conscious of everything that was going on? Don't know. Don't know. Yeah, it doesn't. Who, who knows? Who cares? But Moving whatever. On. Now at least we know they're really, really in love. Yes. Everybody needs a boyfriend. Said it's three. Back to the gay boys in the woods. They're wandering around uh, following Dude the Dog, and uh, they're assailed. <laughs> they're assailed by a hideous creature. Who they immediately recognize as Ben. Well, because he's still wearing his Joe Biden bomber jacket. Uh, it's Ben in beast mode, which honestly, I'm glad <laughs> we got to see, because- uh, Not in beast mode. So, yeah, they, they find Ben. Uh, uh, he- so this is, again, they've just put too many layers of complication on this. He's going crazy because he has a splinter, but also because he's a beast. A beast, yeah. But it's, but but also, I mean, like, Beast from Beauty and the Beast, again, like, we... Beast from Beauty we, and the Beast was still mostly human in terms of his level yeah. of consciousness. So it's unclear whether, because they make the whole thing about, like, getting this splinter out of his hand... But also then Jane pops out with a super soaker, like, water gun and sprays him with and magic lake water. water. Duh. And, and that turns him not into a beast anymore. He turns human, but he still has a beard and some crazy sharp canine teeth. But they catch him up on the whole, like, we're working with the pirates trying to defeat Audrey thing. And then they head off to find the girls. Back at the co- or back at the castle, Mal is thanking Uma. Well, wait, before the- before b- before we move to the next scene, as Harry Hook is then leaving, he like whispers in Jay's ear and smacks his ass. Oh, I missed I missed that. I I I don't know if I hallucinated this. I was sure that he smacked Jay's ass. Honestly, at this point, I believe you. <laughs> I I believe um, you. Fine. <laughs> anyway. Now we're back at the castle, Evie's castle, and Mal is thanking Uma for the true love's kiss idea, and it sort of seems like maybe they're going to make nice with each other. Um, And Audrey's sort of watching them being friendly in the scepter, and she starts monologuing about, you know, Chad, darling, it's time for us to move on to the next phase of our evil plan. (laughs) So while Mal and Uma are, like, hanging out eating Jane's birthday cake, because I guess they're like, well, fuck that. Yeah, I've written Mal and Uma have the miniest feelings meeting (laughs) over cake. The castle suddenly starts getting, like, magically boarded up. Like, a bunch of, like, planks appear over the doors and windows. That's no good. I guess that's Audrey's plan, her super duper good plan. Just blow up the house or something. Yeah, she's going easy on them, but whatever. She's new to this. 
Um, yes. Mal's trying to cast a spell to stop it, but it's not working. But all of a sudden, like, Uma's magic Ursula seashell necklace lights up, and they, like, hold hands and cast a spell together, Twitch's style, and it works. Why? Who fucking cares? It does work uh, when they work together with the magic shell. And at that point, she takes the ember out of the shell and hands it to Mal. So I don't know if it was supposed to be the ember. Like, I don't understand yeah, that. Yeah, I don't know. Maybe the ember is what's lighting up in there. That's where she's I been have... keeping it. She's like, you know what? You can have this back. Great. Yeah. Now we're buddies. So great. And perfect timing, the boys show up. And this is where it gets weird because Uma and Harry have this really, like, affectionate hug while Mal and Ben are, like, kissing and she's, like, flirting with him about his beard. Like, the way that the scene is shot sets up, like, the comparison, right? Like, that they're both couples. Yeah. But we literally just saw Harry flirting with Jane. Yeah, well, so I, yeah, I I don't understand. And it, it only continues to be unclear and weird. We get a moment where Carlos does finally give Jane her birthday present. It's like a, it's a necklace that's a... It says Jarlos, because it's Jarlos. like their celebrity couple name. It's as I've if written he's like... contractually obligated to mention his 3D printer. Yeah, he's like, I made this for you on my 3D printer. Like, don't tell me that. Please don't ever tell me that. If you, <laughs> you know what? Don't make me something on your 3D printer and give it to me as a gift. And if you do, th- don't tell me you 3D printed it. I don't want to know. Hey, Carlos's 3D printer is an element of his personality because it's in the last movie. Also, it's like there's no sense of urgency at all. Like, Audrey is still on the loose with that scepter trying to, like, turn everybody into statues. And they're like, well, here's a necklace that says this is what I'm talking about Jarlos. when I was saying that this is, like, such a badly done mission. Like, they've just been one kind of aimlessly wandering around waiting for Audrey to do stuff to them. But whatever. Now it gets even more frenetic because Doug, Gil, and Jane all go off together to look for the fairy godmother. But why are we looking Be- for the fairy godmother? I don't know. And I don't know why them, because they just didn't want to have to have him in the other scenes, I guess. So they go, they do, they just Was go. Was it just Jane being like, I want to see my mom? Or like, do they need her help? Or do they need her magic wand? Like, what's happening? I'm not sure. I don't have it written down. I just I just have that they split up because now I have that we get a montage of the group sneaking through the woods to get to the cabin and then they break Chad out. Yeah, so the the remaining members of the group go to the fairy cottage, which you have to say looks a lot like the animated one. A hundred percent. I was in, I was impressed like with it. the fairy cottage. I got to yeah. say I like the fairy I had cottage. A feeling I thought it was you were going to like that. Um, (laughs) when they get there, Audrey is not there, but they do find Chad locked in the closet because he was annoying Audrey and she shut him in there. (laughs) Yeah. She like magicked him in there and then locked the door. Cut to the others, Doug, Jane and Gil. They find the fairy godmother turned to stone and Jane's like, hi, mom. I don't know if you can hear me, but I just wanted to let you know that today's been crazy, but it was also the best birthday ever and like the (laughs) longest birthday ever. And I just hope that you trust that I'm going to save you. We're going to save Auradon and all of this will be like a bad dream. And I love you so much, mommy. And I wish that you could spend my birthday with me, but don't worry. We'll be together again soon. Like, what are you doing? What are you doing? <laughs> the thing is that this, like, the scene didn't feel like a joke to me. Like, it seemed like they this no. they were taking it. It was sincere, I think. Like, you could, like, there's a version of this scene in which, like, it's, haha, we're making fun of Jane for 
doing this weird thing, talking to her stone mom. But no, like, no, it's sincere. And and yeah. she's, she's even like, look at this necklace that, <laughs> look at this necklace that Carlos got me. It says Jarlos. That's our couple name. Isn't that sweet? I'm in love with Carlos. Meanwhile, Doug and Gil are still standing there. Yeah, I know. That's my point. Like, what is the, like, what they, this scene, what are they trying to accomplish? I don't know. But it doesn't matter because that's it. That's all that happens. Then we cut back to the rest of the group going to look for Audrey. As they're, like, leaving the fairy cottage through the woods, Ben's like, hey, how did you, uh... How'd you get Uma and the pirates on board with this plan? And Evie's all excited to be like, oh, well, Mal told them that when this is all over, all the VKs get to move to Oradon forever. And Oops. that's where the bottom drops out. And Mal's like, I have to come clean. Actually, the barrier is going to be closed forever and ever. <laughs> it's actually the opposite. And Oops. she's like, I lied to you guys. I told you that the VKs could come over here, but actually, no. They're not going to be allowed. The barrier is going to be closed. Nobody can come in or out ever again. And like, don't worry about Audrey. Remember, this is the conflict of the movie. The right. Audrey thing doesn't matter, I guess, because I've also written, again, like you said, sense of urgency, but it's also bothered, not bothered enough. Like the bandwidth here, they're walking casually through the woods and Ben's like, so why are you guys working together now? And then it triggers this whole, you know, feelings meeting, apology thing. Obviously, everyone's pissed. Um, Celia just grabs the ember and dumps it into some random bird bath. Yeah, like I have written right that Uma is pissed off and she kind of storms off, but Celia is the most pissed off. She dunks the ember and now it's like, oh no, what are we going to do? If it gets wet, it doesn't work anymore. Remember that convention? That doesn't last very long, but whatever. Yeah. Evie's it's... pissed and then she gets even more pissed when Mal is like, and also like the whole closing the barrier forever thing was my idea. And we get a really good feelings meeting, in my opinion, where Evie's kind of crying. She's like, you lied to me, you lied to Carlos, you lied to Jay, you lied to Dizzy, you lied to all these people. Like they're never going to get to see their family again. What's wrong with you? We get an extreme best friends misunderstanding feelings meeting. But it's short lived because all of a sudden out of nowhere, all of Mal's friends get zapped and they turn to statues. Yeah. Not Mal, just her friends. Yeah, just her friends. I don't know why now. I don't I'm not sure, but oh okay. I guess it's time for Mal to sing her I is this her I want song? Like what is this? This is her when there was me and you. Yeah. So she, she sings has her... this song called My Once Upon a Time. I love, I love that there isn't even there's barely a full beat between her friends being turned to stone <laughs> and like the intro music for this like ballad. She well, launches hey, that's it. I wrote rules. in my notes, I'm like this triggers this song called My Once Upon a Time, and I'm going to fast forward through it because I don't care. Because I know <laughs> the way that this works in this movie is the song starts and ends in the same place. It's all just going to be her being like, everything used to be fine, and then I fucked it up, and now my friends are stoned, and whatever shall I do? <laughs> I said this is when we get uh, the the necessary decom sequel first film flashback montage though. Yep, of course we we must right. We're getting <laughs> we're getting full on flashbacks to scenes from the previous two movies. It's an extremely like contemporary musical theater song. 
Yes, I've written it literally just feels like wicked. It's, they were really trying something. It's not bad, but whatever. No, it's not now, bad. It's like, just like completely almost non sequitur though, because and it's- Yeah, it's like when the stakes are at their most high, we get sort of this like leisurely contemporary musical theater song. <laughs> we also get another contemporary musical theater convention. We get the uh, illustrious interstitial scene where she's mid-song and then we break away to have a scene with Uma. She catches up with Uma, begs her to, you know, not give up on her, help her save Oridon. Uma's like, nah, figure it out yourself, dude. And then the song keeps going. This is where yeah. we get the flashbacks to the previous movies. It's difficult, I guess, with these these franchises when they get so big is they want everybody, I guess, to get their mo- Well, no, no, they don't really want everybody to get their moment. No, in this movie, they just, like, want to make sure that Mal has her moment repeatedly. Yes. That's it. Um... Movie's long, song's long. This episode's gonna end up being long. Yeah, this is gonna be a two-hour podcast, so I'm sorry. (laughs) Um, But at the end of the song, somebody screams for help. Mal turns into a dragon and flies up to the roof of the school, where she finds Audrey with Celia. She's trying to use her magic dragon breath to fight Audrey, but obviously it's not working because she doesn't have the ember because it got wet, remember? I've written, when did Audrey get Celia? We just don't see that, right? Nope, we don't see that. I have no idea. We needed the screen time for more of that song. We couldn't possibly see this important, like, we don't even know what, what is this castle? What is going on? That's the school. We we end up at the school a lot. She's like up on a tower with Celia. It's just like the fight she had with Hades earlier in the movie. Like, she, she can't really win. Yeah, she's a dragon. She's getting blasted at. And now Uma and Harry decide to help. They, like, hear all of this going on. They're like, "Ah, I guess we should probably help out. Yeah, it looks like the dragon can't do it, so... So suddenly Uma's all nice. She's like, Mal, Mal, I'm here, I'm here, I'm right here for you, I'm here. (laughs) And they cast a spell to relight the ember, as if that's a thing that you can do. (laughs) that they just always could do well and they try to set this up earlier i guess because when the stupid ember goes into the thing and it'll never work again mal just starts saying this incantation i don't remember what it is it's something Something. short like you know ignite yep that's it something like that something very twitches one Anyway, they, yeah, right, so they're trying to Twitches one the thing, and they actually do Twitches one it, because they do, when they do it together, for some reason it works. Um, I'm sorry, I was told that if the ember gets wet, it doesn't work. I wasn't told there was an asterisk that says you can make up a spell to light it on fire again. I mean, again, it's like this, this stupid ember, it's like Hades has this ember. You've never heard of that before? Don't worry, we're going to explain it. It's more powerful than Maleficent's scepter. Okay, cool. But if it gets wet, it doesn't work anymore. But if it stops working, Maleficent's daughter and Ursula's daughter can hold hands. And if they do, wait a second. Yeah, this is what I'm saying. We're digging ourselves into a very deep Disney lore hole, and I'm not sure how we're ever going to climb back out of it. Whatever, it works. Now the ember works, and she uses the ember to blast Audrey. Audrey might be dead? Question mark? <laughs> Who cares? Because Over she literally- like, stage back. Yeah, she, she goes back to looking like Sleeping Beauty's daughter. Mal is like standing over her, and she's like, oh no. So I'm like, oh shit, is she dead? I wish. But she's not. Yeah, this is... Oh, God. Okay. At this point, 
Mal's like, oh no, I can't, I can't bring her back to life. And she, that's when she remembers Hades telling her that the Ember is more powerful when he has it. Yeah, like she, we hear his voice being like, it won't do everything for you that it will for me. Ha 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 ha. Why her thought isn't let me grab my mom's staff because it's like my, like, this is where it's stupid to me. Like, her thought should have been, yeah, fuck that. Uh, okay, well, my my mom's scepter, which is so powerful that they locked it behind glass and it was a whole goddamn thing, now I have it. No, forget that. Who cares? Well, I'm just assuming that this is, like, in Hercules when Meg is, like, dead, but not quite dead. Oh, okay, right, because he is the underworld. Yeah, Yeah, fine. so I was like, maybe that's why this is Hades' department. Um. So as Mal's dealing with, like, I might have killed this girl, Oridon is coming back to life. People are being woken up and being unturned to stone. Um, then we cut to Audrey's dorm room where she's, like, in bed a la Sleeping Beauty. And Mal kind of casually announces to the room that Hades is her father and she needs his help to save Audrey. And everybody's and- like, um... Because the only person who knew was Evie and Celia now. But, like, Ben didn't know this. The other thing, though, is, like, what are the implications of that? Because they make it seem like it's some big secret, but who, like, okay. And? Yeah, I don't know. I guess, like, it's bad to have one villain be your parent, and it's especially bad to have, like, two. She's from the the villain island. I know it would have been a safe assumption to make, but listen, I don't, I don't, I don't live there, Benjamin. I don't know. <laughs> so <laughs> anyway, everybody's like, "Oh no, that's your dad." Well, anyway, let's get him over here. It's at this point that Harry, Uma, and Celia are like, "Hey, if you're going over to the island to get Hades, can you bring us back with you because we want to live there?" And they're like, "Okay," and that's what they do. They, there's like no grand, <laughs> there's no grand exit. That's just like. They're gone in the next scene. Cool. Um, Hades is brought to the castle in full-on chains. Yep. And he walks in Audrey's room. Everybody's there now. Belle, Beast, Mal, Ben. There's a whole audience. Audrey's grandma's there. So Hades walks into Audrey's room. He growls at King Beast, and King (laughs) Beast growls back. And I'm like, King Beast isn't a beast anymore. He's a man. He's a man and he's working on his book. Why can he still growl like that? Weird. Anyway, um... They take the manacles off of him uh, so that he can take the ember and his hair lights on fire, which I thought was cool. And he goes and he does a spell and he brings her back. And she's like, oh my God, tell me this was all a bad dream. And they're like, no. And I'm like, no, take her away. Move her to the island. She's bad now. And instead, she's just like, I'm really sorry. And they're like, it's okay. We forgive you. Everyone apologizes to everyone, and they take Hades away. Yeah, like, Mal's, like, (laughs) apologizing to Audrey. Like, for what? Yeah, and then Mal runs out into the hallway while they're taking Hades away, and they kind of have a moment, which I thought was pretty sweet, actually. Yeah, she, like, kisses him goodbye, and then he kind of sneakily hands the ember off to her for whatever reason. Yeah, so she can have it. And now I guess everything's fine because now it's time for royal engagement party. Yep. Audrey's there, so she's not in trouble anymore. Nah, everybody's fine. I mean, as long as they're not on the island, those people suck. Yeah. 
Um, Ben is like, Mal, do you want to give a speech to your people? And she's like, sure. I can't be your queen. And everybody's like, and then she proceeds to give this whole speech about how closing the barrier forever was her idea, but she thinks that it's the wrong decision to make. Tells everybody unprompted that Hades is her father. Yeah, and I just could not help but imagine the the extras meeting before where they're like, and when she says Hades, that's when you start the peas and carrots. (laughs) (laughs) Because literally, like, everybody's just watching, 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 and she's like, Hades, my dad. And everybody's like, Hades, her dad, Hades, her dad, Hades, her dad. Um, But basically, the thesis of this speech is, as we learned from our experience with Audrey, Everybody is capable of both good and evil, and it doesn't actually matter if you live on the island or if you live in Oridon. So if she's going to be queen of Oridon, she has to be queen of the Isle, too, and they need to take the barrier down. And Ben's like, <laughs> hell yeah, that's what I wanted this whole time. I've written in all caps, holy shit, I have to be queen of the Isle too. Descendants for colonialism. She, yeah, she just decides. The, the thing is, the Isle has no queen, right? The Isle yeah. is its own thing. But she literally just, like, made herself their dictator. And everybody's like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I was full, like, I really like, want Evita. the twist to be that Mal was evil all along, and the whole point was to, like, Infiltrate Ardon. And- Colonialism, I'm dead. Um, and now we get like a whole Berlin Wall moment where she's like, fairy godmother, give me that wand and let's take that barrier down. <laughs> yep. And that's what they do. They break it down. Um, and we get a musical number called Break It Down, at which point I've written in my notes, I'm done with this movie. And I'm just going to let Ben <laughs> recap the last song for you guys, because I'm not sure that anything important will happen from here on it's, out. No, it's truly, it's classic. It's a Kenny Ortega decom musical. It's a big, everybody's here now, and we all like each other. And look, we're all in our happy place, being friends. We truly, see people like-, like crossing the bridge from the island. Like Hades shows up at one point. Yeah, there's like a montage of the side characters doing stuff. Dizzy and Celia are there. You've got uh, Jay Jay and Gaston's son are talking, and they're like, we're going to go on so many adventures, like bro trip, and they chest bump. Um, Harry is out there like flirting with people in front of Uma, and she kind of like rolls her eyes, and then he just like goes and starts flirting with Audrey. So whatever, they deserve each other. They're a great couple. Cool. Um... Jane and Carlos are there, and they're fine. You mean Jarlos? Jarlos is there. <laughs> Jarlos abides. Yeah, Hades um, is there. They hug. Like Ben he, calls him dad, and I hate this mythos. He's hugging Mal, and he gives Ben the, like, I'm watching you sign. So now he's acting like a dad, even though, like, he seems like he's too young to be her dad and also too gay. But, you know... <laughs> I'm suspending my disbelief here. It's we all good. We do get he... another post credit scene, which yep. has been a convention in the last two as well. And you might need to explain this to me. This is my interpretation. You tell me if I'm wrong. The original descendants are standing like at the edge of the bridge, looking out at the aisle, and they're like, do you think they ever miss us? Then they're like, yeah. And sometimes we miss them. 
You know why? Because we're rotten to the core. And then they like run across the bridge to the aisle. So are they talking about their parents? Yeah. So I guess they're talking about their parents. Because like none of I them don't... came over for the party. I guess not. So this was something that I wrote in my notes about the last song. Is like, I guess there really was no issue. Like t- two minutes ago, every four seconds, the, anytime the, the barrier was halfway open, somebody was blasting Ember juice out of it like you're telling me the barrier came down and we haven't heard anything from the 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 prime villains if they're still over there or are they in prison like what's going on we just didn't have the budget to get chris and shenoweth back right that's it but <laughs> if we put in this post credit scene maybe she'll come back for descendants four like i don't understand yeah, we we get the like rotten to the core thing. So I don't know. The vibe that I'm getting from post credit scene is like this was going to be the last movie because the other two post credit scenes sort of set up the next film. So I think we're done. This is like the end of like Deathly Hallows part two when they're like standing on the bridge. You know what I'm talking about? I know what you're talking about. And they throw the thing off. This has that energy. So They run across the bridge to the aisle, and they all live happily ever after. The end. This is not the end of the Descendants franchise. Just last year, they released an animated special that's the the wedding of Ben and Mal. Mm, Are we going to have to watch that? I honestly think we are, but that is the (laughs) end of Descendants 3. Uh... And I think probably the end of the the live-action Descendants franchise. Yep, that's the end of Descendants 3. That's the end of the live-action franchise. We covered all the movies. Which one is your favorite? Maybe the second one, actually. (laughs) Because by the second one, I had just let go and and let God (laughs) with these fucking movies. (laughs) The thing I gotta hand it to them with the Descendants is, like, they really did try something and it's obviously very successful in its own right like a lot of people love these movies obviously like our listeners there are many who are very into like people have wanted us to cover this one for a long time which one is your favorite i think that i like the first one just because i like the convention of like the kids being evil and as as the franchise moves along we sort of like we start to sort of like pink cloud the evil stuff Um, yeah right And I liked it better, like, when the kids were sort of getting into trouble and stuff in the first movie. And I also think that, like, each kid was more equally showcased in the first movie as opposed to this one. 100% agree with that. Like, by this movie, it's really just about Mal. And, like, Evie's kind of there. She's the business one. And Jay and Carlos, especially, are kind of just there. But, yeah, I I think that, like, the first movie was a little bit better balanced, and felt like more of a musical. It's like they wrote the movie and then they wrote the songs. You know yeah, I mean? that's that's sort of how it feels to me too. So, you know, I think that I think it's an interesting way to wrap up the series. I think it was an interesting concept. I didn't need Hades to be Mal's dad. It didn't mean anything. Uh, it just seems like somebody at Disney was like, well, we need them to have two parents. Well, the other thing that's uh, about it is just like... I didn't need the Hades and the Audrey and the Uma plot. Right. You know? There's a lot going on, which has kind of always been true for these movies. Like, there's a lot going on. Yeah. Well, because it's not just that. It's also the Jane plot. It's also... Right. It's all the people's, like, romantic uh, interests, and they're evil, and they're not evil, and we need to steal this, and we need to save this, and because we did this, now we have to do... It's just... It's a lot. There are a lot of pieces... Mm-hmm. To these puzzles. And, uh, but hey, 
it's definitely a fun time. <laughs> it's more fun talking. I mean, that's why I like doing the show with you, because it's more fun to talk about than to watch, frankly. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, and it's definitely um, been fun covering the movies, especially because like we were watching all these movies for the first time for the show. Right. Um, and hey, you know, obviously, like, there was definitely a lot of, th- like, this franchise, as we've said in all the Descendants episodes, obviously has spawned a lot. So, you know, it's not, you know, who are we to nitpick it? But... Right, right. I get why people are into it, and I think I probably would have been into it when I was, like, the target audience age. <laughs> we've watched quite a lot of the, the old, you know, 90s and early 2000s DCOMs movies. It's been interesting dipping into these 2010s ones. Yeah. We'll we'll see as we, you know, mix them in with the, the older ones. It'll be weird to see the contrast, but also what hasn't changed over the last 30 years with these movies. And many things have not. And many things seem to have not at all. But hey, that's that. Thanks for listening. Uh, if you enjoyed the show, do make sure that you are subscribed or following wherever you listen to podcasts. And if you haven't already and you could go give us a review on Apple Podcasts, that really does help us out and it makes our day. So please do that. And if you want to leave a review there, that's also a great place to suggest movies for us to cover. We obviously will come up with stuff to <laughs> watch on our own, but <laughs> that's a great way. That's how... We got to watching Descendants 3. You can also follow us on Instagram at MovieSurfing or on Twitter at SurfingMovie. And uh, find us on our website at www.moviesurfingpod.com. Um, you can also email the show at moviesurfingpod at gmail.com, yeah? Correct. That's also, we say, where we would like you to send us in super short show ideas if you have them. Uh, we do super short shows just as often as we can, or we're trying to when we have extra time, which we have precious little of these days, <laughs> but in the future we may have more. So if you have ideas for super short shows you want us to do, send them our way. Uh, I think that's it. I think you covered it all. Good job. All right. Thanks for listening, guys. Bye. Bye. That's it. Yeah.